CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to Coindesk TV. Welcome to The Hash. That's why you're here. Let's just get straight to the point. The Hash, it rules. I'm Zach Seward. We got Jen Sinassi. We got Will Foxley. We got Wendy O. We're here to get you caught up on today's crypto news. And we're starting off with Wendy. What's up? I'm first again. Was I first yesterday too? I'm just kidding. I think you were because the sigh. I feel like the sigh. sigh. Okay. Well, this is the thing. (laughs) It looks like we have another Bitcoin bull, bull, bull. And Michael Saylor has got (laughs) some serious competition here because apparently U.S. presidential candidate RFK Jr. vows to exempt crypto from capital gains tax if elected. Wait, was that it? Or is there another one? No, I think I'm confused. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I read the wrong story, you guys. You're going to have to forgive me. But basically, well, that that happened, but he also vows to back dollar with Bitcoin, except Bitcoin from taxes. Okay, that makes sense. So he came out yesterday swinging and said that this would spur investment and incentivize businesses to stay and grow within the US. It would promote innovation, protect privacy, and make it harder for governments to use currency against free speech. We will also be able to use Bitcoin to save the US dollar. I think that this is an absolute fantastic idea. I think it would make a lot of sense because Bitcoin does have a finite supply. It is capped at 21 million. You cannot make more Bitcoin. You cannot print more Bitcoin. As you all know, the money printer goes... And you cannot do that with Bitcoin. So I think it'd be absolutely fantastic. However, I think that this is not going to happen. He already has the vote of all the Bitcoin maxis and some of the folks in crypto. So it's just typical campaign stuff. But I actually want to toss this over to Will because he's our resident maxi and get your thoughts on this. Hilarious how I'm the maxi. I don't understand that. But fact check, you can make more Bitcoin. I'm mining right now, Wendy, every second, getting another Satoshi. So just know you still can't do that. But there's a cap. You're correct there. I think this whole story is just more pleading to the base he's trying to make. So I don't, I'm not that interested in about it. It's cool to see Bitcoin being like a presidential topic, but let's be honest, that happened last cycle too, right? Like it was a topic in 2020. We've seen Trump tweet about it as far back as like 2018, 2019. People have been talking about Bitcoin for a while. It's that Obama quote, right? Like Bitcoin is a Swiss vault in your pocket. So it's been a presidential topic forever. I don't think this changes anything at all. And I also think that like, his idea is just laughably bad to back everything with gold and Bitcoin again when that wouldn't even be feasibly possible. I think he's just pandering to his base. And I don't love pandering. I want to see a strong man as president here, strong candidate. <laughs> I don't want to see this pandering here. I think it's kind of weak. 
I, I love that take, Will. I love that take. Because oftentimes when, you know, you are the one being pandered to, it feels great. It's like, oh, I hate pandering. But the pandering to me, it's great. So for you to go out there as the resident Bitcoin maxi on the hash and say, this is pandering. I'm calling it like I see it. That's amazing. I think the only thing I'll add to this, just to echo Will, is that RFK Jr. is polling at like 15%. I think uh, the Democratic front runner is something at like 60% approval rating, that being Joe Biden. So when you're polling at 15%, you got to pull out all the stops and cobble together whatever coalition you can cobble together. And then that, if that includes some Bitcoin maxis, however many of them there are who vote in presidential elections, then you know what? It's worth shooting your shot. And that's what RFK, do, RFK Jr. is doing here. But I agree. It feels a bit uh, strange. To Imagine see this wanting these in people the in your base. Like, this is the group you want. Really? These are the people you want. Well, Will, this is just the state of affairs. It's your people. Well, come on. Right stop dissing your own. What are you talking about? <laughs> the okay. humble miner. Just stacking stats over here. Yeah. Anyway, humble Jen. miner. Will and humble. Two words I didn't think we would say together. First, before I give my take, Wendy, can you just do the money printer one more time? I love that noise. <laughs> Oh no! I do this talk all the time, and it's they. My audience just thinks I'm absolutely insane, but I'm so much here for it. And you got to bring some fun into it. So Wendy's going to be like the next big like NPC streamer to go viral, <laughs> and we're just going to pivot the hash to just yes, like yes, NPC yes. streaming. There we go. Ice cream so good. Anyway, Jen, go. say something. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree with with everything that you have all said. I mean, the fact that we have Republicans and Democrats talking about crypto ahead of the elections, I think is is interesting. I think there are a lot of people who are following the elections, figuring out who they want to vote for, and maybe learning about some of the talking points behind Bitcoin. Of course, we have DeSantis out there saying that if he becomes president, CBDCs will be banned because the government is bad and they will surveil you. I don't know if these are necessarily the people we want out there teaching people about crypto, but I think people will hear about it. Their interest might get piqued and they might go out and learn a little bit more. Of course, I have to bring up the fact that with all of this going on with presidential hopefuls, there's like people like Ben McKenzie out there with his anti-crypto book also like saying how bad crypto is for everyone. And so we have all of these narratives. And I think that the silver lining here is that people will hear them and, and maybe go out and do some of their own research. So I'm just, I will leave it at that. Wendy, I saw you roll your eyes. So I'll let you respond to the Ben McKenzie remark. Ben McKenzie is the ultimate grifter. Nobody knows who he is. It's typical entertainment industry in Hollywood. When you're super washed up, you have to clout chase, you have to grift. I actually would love to see him and my co-host on my podcast, my, me and BitBoy Crypto. We have a podcast, um, Forever Frenemies. Um, it'd be so great to moderate that. It would be an absolute a just clash of intellectual and, titans. It would be good. It would. I, I am the that. smartest one. I would be the smartest one on the show, which says I a would, lot. Did you, I would watch it. <laughs> did you guys talk about the Ben McKenzie story when I was away? Because him getting wrecked by shorting Bitcoin and, and, and missing the mark, something like the tune of like $250,000. I, I think that's what it I said think it's in fake. that piece. Fake news. I don't know, what, I don't know what to tech. make of it. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. Of it. Talking about him. Yeah, because he's a grifter. So he's doing his job. All right. Let's let's leave the Ben McKenzie story there. I'm sure we'll circle back to it in some in some time. Uh, there's a new bill, a bipartisan one, a Senate bill called the Crypto Asset National Security Enforcement Act of 2023 that wants to regulate DeFi like banks. The bill wants to place stringent AML requirements on DeFi protocols. Briefing doc says that the bill intends to quote fight the rise in crypto facilitated crime and close off avenues for the evasion of money laundering 
and sanctions measures that are critical to our national security will. First of all, I love the name of this bill. But is this is this possible? Tell me what you what you think when you read about this bipartisan Senate bill. I I don't know. I think this is going to happen at some point. Like the rise of DeFi protocols that actually function are pretty terrifying to any sort of financial establishment, right? The fact that I can take a stable coin, move it around, earn some yield on it, deposit this, pull out that. It's pretty great, right? Like I don't have to touch a bank account if I'm into the system. Now, the trouble part is like getting into the system is really hard. Going from crypto to cash or cash into crypto is extremely difficult. There's tons of companies trying to solve this. This is like the classic Bitcoin crypto problem. And that's where the government's going to go for, right? Like Zach, you always use this line. If there's going to be a choke to uh, throat to choke, you're going to go for that one. And this is the one they're going for right now. So they're, they're trying to figure out ways of doing this. The thing they identified in here was a little interesting. It said that you know, maybe the person who builds the front end is the one who has to do the KYC, or maybe the one who launches the protocol itself is the one who has to do the KYC. And they went as far in this legislation as to say, maybe people who invest more than a certain amount of money are the ones who have to do the KYC. So at some point, someone's going to be held responsible for how financial laws interact with DeFi. We just don't know who. We don't know where this legislation is going to land. We don't even know if it's going to pass. But at some point, they're going to have to address DeFi. And that's where it gets a little freaky because there have been a lot of people who have launched DeFi protocols over the last few years, and they're very popular now. And at some point, the government's going to be like, hey, you guys can't just keep doing this. Like, We have financial rules for a reason. Let's get this set up correctly. So for builders in the past, that's a little freaky. And then for builders in the future, it's just awkward right now because you don't know which way this is going to swing. And if for an investor, it's like, well, why would I put more money into DeFi if I have to become a full custodian and KYC provider in the future as well? That's not the business I operate in. So weird legislation doesn't look very doable, but this is going to happen at some time. So better prepare now. Zach? I think it just goes to show that a lot of the existing constructs for regulating these financial instruments just don't apply in DeFi, right? And you sort of see that with the thinking. They say, okay, well, in lieu of an actual backstop, anyone who's invested more than $25 million in building the protocol, they're the backstop, right? So they're trying to figure out these ways to apply sort of existing regulatory structures to something that's quite different, right? This intermediary list finance that you can go online and do all sorts of financial applications on, right? So I think like, whether or not this is the one that finished, that gets over the line, I kind of doubt it. But it does really show that there's a lot of thinking that still has to go into applying a regulatory structure to DeFi that actually makes sense and just isn't completely nonsense, right? And I think you see that the at least sort of an attempt at this based on some of the language that's highlighted in this piece, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, because yeah, the DeFi, the on-chain stuff, that's arguably far more difficult to regulate and figure out for regulators than, than is the... Uh, you know, the centralized exchange stuff, the business stuff, the trusted intermediary stuff that, you know, although not perfect, tends to fit decently on those existing entities. So yeah, the DeFi stuff is still a big, huge question as to how that gets regulated in a way that, you know, assuages legitimate concerns about money laundering, you know, terrorist financing and stuff like that without throwing the baby out along with the bathwater, uh, providing access to all sorts of financial tools and services that a lot of people around the world just don't have access to otherwise. So I think that really is the foundational interesting part of this whole debate. And we're going to see it time and time again as they try to figure this out. Jen, I'm going to toss it your way. Yeah, I think that this is the conversation starter, right? There's so many other things to figure out in this ecosystem. We have stable coins, we have CBDCs, we have centralized exchanges. Those all feel like they are a little bit further when we look at how um, regulators are looking at those different products, at least here in the US. And so I think this is a conversation starter. 
I think some of the things in here, as you like dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that they may be more difficult to implement than maybe the people who wrote this bill can comprehend right now. I don't think any of us really can comprehend how difficult it will be to implement this. Uh, there's a quote from the document. It says, if nobody controls the DeFi protocol, then as a backstop, anyone who invests more than $25 million in developing the protocol will be responsible for these obligations. I think that's really interesting because then you look at like, what does investment mean? Are you talking about a VC investment? Are you talking about token holders? Are you talking about investment of time? Like, how do we put a dollar investment on that? And so I think there are a lot of things to um, figure out here, but I think that it is an interesting starting point and it signals that regulators are looking at DeFi and are digging a little bit deeper into it. And we can expect them to be looking at some of these dApps that have founders, that have uh, people who work for them. You know, we, we know who to contact. I think we can see regulators starting to talk to those people, maybe even starting to come down on them. Wendy, what do you think? I just think it's kind of embarrassing that they're trying to regulate something they have no idea as to what they're doing, because that's exactly what this bill sounds like, or this proposed bill sounds like. It's Again, it sounds like a bunch of public servants that are put under pressure. Election season is coming. They're following the grift, and they're just trying to put some rush and put something out when they have no idea what this stuff is and how it works. It does kind of sound like a direct attack on VCs. And I think what we will see happening, we will continue to see a lot of these VCs move overseas because they don't want to deal with this type of regulation. I feel like the U.S. government, the public servants have completely fumbled the ball and they had the opportunity to instill some sort of guidelines in the past, but they failed to do so. And now they're under scrutiny and under a time crunch to do it. So again, this bill probably won't pass. I don't think most people in the government have any idea how this stuff works. And I think it's just a waste of taxpayer time and dollars as always. I like the VC angle on that one, Wendy. Good shout. Way to, way to flag that one. Doesn't look like NASDAQ is going to proceed with its cryptocurrency exchange, according to new information from their quarterly update to investors. It's according to CEO Adana Friedman on an earnings call. They are going to continue working on some sort of custodial solution, but due to the regulatory environment at the moment, they're not interested in trading your digital assets quite yet. We've seen a few different larger companies about face at the moment, while we've seen other companies surge forward within the crypto markets. So kind of like a back and forth here. Wendy, I want to throw it over to you. I saw this news and was a little sad, maybe a little bearish. But at the end of the day, I think there's more companies that are coming out for crypto right now than there are those against it. So my personal take on this is this is a massive giant in the um, traditional financial industry. So this makes sense that they're going to kind of submit to the uncertainty of regulatory clarity. Because if they were to actively get into the crypto industry or Bitcoin industry without the spot Bitcoin ETFs being approved or without any type of regulatory guidelines, it could cause a lot of issues for them in the long term. So I this makes sense. This is totally on brand. Again, I think once we get super bullish and we actually get in the bull market and we start getting somewhere with regulation and guidelines, or we get the spot Bitcoin ETFs approved, or again, more rulings from judges, then we will see these big players come into the market. So this makes sense for me. It's on brand. It, and again, it's very unfortunate because there could be a lot more money flooding into these entities via taxpayer dollars or however that works. But again, we are foiled by the public servants and their lack to do any type or to give us any type of legal clarity. Shout out to Gigi. Let me clarify myself really quickly here because we got some technical terms in this topic that we should probably go over. The first thing is, the custodian solution that they're working on 
is the thing that they're going to stop, but they're still working on the technology behind that. So it's not necessarily a trading firm that they're halting operations on, but the custodial part of this. But the technology apparently is still in development. So that's swinging. Jen? But wait, hold on really quick. But if the technology is still being worked on, but they can't use the technology for what they're making it for, to me, it's like... I think that like right now is not the time for NASDAQ to be getting into this, right? Like you said, they're huge financial firm. I don't think that it's their fight to fight. I don't think that this is a sad thing. I think that it's totally expected. They said they're pausing to get the correct licensing. So I think they're just waiting to see what's happening. They haven't stopped everything they're doing with digital assets, like you said, Will. And I don't know if you remember, but when they launched this last year, they had hired a fellow to lead the program. I forget his name, but he's from Gemini. He's a VP there. He's still leading digital assets. He still has a job. And I think that they are just quietly watching what's going on, working with regulators. Of course, I think, I don't know, that they must have longstanding relationships with regulators who they work with, who have probably advised them to just pause on this offering until there's some more clarity. Zach? They're in it for the tech. Like Will said, they're in it for the tech, Wendy. They're in it for the tech. They don't need to be trading these coins. They just want to build the technology. That's what it's all about here. I think the thing this all boils down to is there's just so much uncertainty, right? You had this whole brouhaha happen when Prometheum came out and said, hey, we got this special purpose broker dealer license that allows us to sell digital asset securities means they can't touch Bitcoin and likely not Ether. So there's still a lot of uncertainty as to what particular licenses will fit the bill for any of these TradFi shops looking to set up crypto trading operations, right? So I think the question to me is, when are they going to be able to figure it out, right? Are they going to wait for legislation to pass? Are they going to wait for some more clarity uh, through the courts? I don't know. I think that, that to me makes it seem like this is probably going to be a longer pause than they might be initially acknowledging, at least at first. Because really the question is, when clarity? And I think that's the question that's been going on for years now. And it doesn't necessarily look like, unless you know legislation gets fast-tracked through Congress, it doesn't necessarily look like we're going to have an answer to when clarity anytime soon. So that I think is maybe perhaps a telling example of the uncertainty that a lot of firms in the space are operating in, especially in the US context. So to me, yeah, we'll see if they ever get around to it. But I, I kind of doubt it because it's probably going to be a while until they can figure out which exact licenses they even need to be above board in the eyes of SEC uh, Chair Gary Gensler. I don't know. Will? Yeah, I agree with you there. Let's kill that one. Go to the next story. Just like right, NASA killed crypto. Let's kill this story. Let's move All on. right, let's go. Wow. Let's, let's go to something that will never die. Bitcoin Terra. is dead. Terra. Terra will never die. <laughs> Terraform Labs. It's here. And they got a new CEO. And his name is Chris Amani, according to the Wall Street <sighs> Journal and this report. So... Terraform Labs, I was the chief steward of the Terra blockchain ecosystem before everything went into death spiral and people lost tons of money. That doesn't mean that the technology doesn't still exist. That doesn't mean that there's not a team working to restart the Terra blockchain as Terra Classic. And now they have a new head honcho, Chris Amani, a US-based individual, which I thought was one of the more telling details in this fine piece by the Wall Street Journal. They want to bring this thing back while Do Kwan is incarcerated. They do note that Do Kwan is still the majority shareholder of Terraform Labs to the tune of 92%. So that to me is also quite interesting. A lot of good details in this one. I'm going to throw it straight to Jen. What do you think, Jen? You think Terra is coming back? I don't know. I read this story and then I thought about FTX 2.0. And I think there are some big differences here that we need to point out. Amani was the COO and CFO for the company, I believe, since 2021. And so he was part of the leadership team. He was there when this whole thing imploded. And when we look at FTX 2.0, 
They're looking at possibly bringing back the exchange, bringing back the technology with a completely new leadership team. And I think that that is a better way to move forward than this. I think if you have someone who's in leadership, who was there, and then you have the person who was leaving the company, who is now behind bars, who still has 92% ownership of the company, it feels like a strange way to bring this back. I don't know if they're going to be able to gain trust from people to come back and build on the platform and use the platform. It just feels, it feels icky to me, honestly. Wendy, what do you think? I'm so tired of talking about this particular company because I, and I like that the compare, that the semi comparison you brought up when we we're talking about FTX 2.0, the difference between Terraform Labs and FTX 2.0 is that FTX 2.0, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion, they actually had really great products, like really, really, really great products. And it was just led by an absolute terrible person. But we're talking about Terraform Labs, like who, like, do they even really have a good product? I don't think that they do. I don't even think that it's worth pursuing. But again, I understand that there's community members, like people that are holding on to the coin that are expecting something. So I get that part. But at the same time, I don't know. To me, it's just not even something I would look at at all, any way, shape or form. I don't know if something like this can potentially be rebranded. I don't know. Zach, somebody? I'll pick it up. These are the lunatics, right? Lunacy. That's what they rebrand everything for. And you know, you have to be a little crazy to think that you can bring this token back from death. This is one of the best charts in all of crypto. If you're watching this show, pause us for a second. Go on to whatever explorer you like and go check out this token chart. It's awesome. It goes from like 120 bucks to zero in a split second. And for anyone who still believes in this project, hats off to you because you are a dreamer. You are a dreamer out there and they might just make this work. Probably not. But I appreciate the gall and I appreciate the, the desire to see this thing off the ground again. There's a lot of problems here, but they want it to happen. So I'm, I'm for it. Zach? The commitment is expressed and is strong, right? They're saying, hey, while Doe's locked up, we wish him all the best, but it makes sense for us to continue on without him, even though he was sort of uh, running the company on the low while he was holed up in Serbia, which is what's outlined here. Really interesting story, I think. Like, I think Adam Levine says it best, right? Like, coins never die. They just slowly, slowly, slowly trail it to zero, right? There's all these sort of dinosaurs out there that are still out there being traded. They still exist. It's sort of a feature of the permanence of blockchains. So it makes opportunities such as this available to people who think that they can restart things that have been otherwise proven to be dead, right? And so we have a team of people who are committed to this project, committed to the technology, trying to make it work despite the long odds of doing so, given all the baggage that Do Kwan has freighted onto this project. You know, despite what was a perfectly fine functioning blockchain that had some cool features, there were some things that were a bit dodgy in retrospect, right? The anchor protocol promising 20% yield. That right there is a big red flag. So it's going to be interesting to see how they establish themselves in the marketplace such that people can trust them going forward. And it's not just uh, token sort of shell games that uh, end up juicing the price of Luna for the long haul. So yeah, this one, I mean, we'll see. This will be something to see because Terra's not going away. It's just not going away. All right, last word to Wendy, who is looking quizzical. And who sighed again. <laughs> The size are the size side count is climbing this week. It is. Yeah, we gotta get a side counter on the show. I was just gonna say that we should totally have a side counter for every time I sigh or I roll my eyes or I become disengaged because I'm just like <sighs> I honestly though, um for the holders and the people that have been impacted by this, again, I ha was holding on to Terra Luna at one point and I just kissed that bag but I lost so much money last year. It was absolutely ridiculous. Or this year. 
I don't even know anymore. I can't even keep track. I just hope that they end up doing the right thing. And I hope um, people just understand the risks with this type of stuff and this new takeover and have put that in their trading and investing journal so they don't get wrecked again. That's all. Don't get wrecked again. The new bull market model. All right. That's it. Did I say model? Because I meant motto. There we go. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it for the show today. Thanks for being here on The Hash. I'm here. I'm Zach Seward. We got Jensen Assey. We got Will Foxley. We got Wendy O. We got the music coming in. We're going to say goodbye. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day out there. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.